Welcome to another edition of the VO Radio Show. My name is Andrew Peters. Unfortunately, Rubbo couldn't make it this week, but we do have a special episode for you. This week, talking with George Whittam. George, as you know, is George the Tech. And he also has, in this episode, a special offer, a 30% discount for a tech call. So, here's George. On the line from Los Angeles is George Whittam. How are you, George? Oh, I'm doing really well. Thanks so much for having me on. It's an absolute pleasure to have you on. I've been uh, trying to sort of corral you into this podcast for a while because uh, you have a unique service, especially uh, to um, our Australian listeners. There's nothing really like what you do here, and we'll touch on that soon. But first of all, I just wanted to find out your background because I'm not completely 100% clear how you ended up where you are now. How did you start? Oh, man. How much time do we have? Lots. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, my, my background is uh, music. I played music all through school, college as well. And uh, at the same time, I was always into audio. My dad was a ham radio operator, and he was always a tinkerer. And he had gear around, but not a recording engineer or anything. He just, he was, you know, he just liked gear and tinkering. And so I kind of picked up the bug and recorded a lot of things growing up. It wasn't until I went to Virginia Tech for engineering that I decided I really wanted to be a recording engineer. So I actually started as an electrical engineer, dropped it, and went to becoming a music engineer or an audio engineer uh, at the same school. So that transition was an important part of it because I was going down the wrong path. Nobody wants an electrical engineer in the recording studio booth. <laughs> yes. They want somebody who has a musical ear. So studied my music, got my music degree in recording, and went off and started a recording business with my dad. Uh, this would have been the late 90s. We started a remote recording truck. I mean, you guys might call it a caravan, an yep. RV. Yep. Built a studio into it. Um, I drove it around the Philadelphia area where I lived at the time and recorded artists on location. And that was fun. Not that profitable, but it was a great time. Um, found myself doing a little bit of everything, just trying to make men's meet. I was working in a music store that my father managed. I was consulting on sound systems. I was mixing live sound. I was doing broadcast engineering for an FM station in Philadelphia that covered Eagles football and Howard Stern back in the day. Ah. Along the way, I stumbled on a voice actor named Howard Parker who worked at the same station. Uh, I was introduced to him through an engineer at the station named Lane Massey, and he just opened my eyes to a whole world of the voiceover world that I wasn't aware of until then. And uh, long story short, I moved to LA, Los Angeles in 2004 and uh, worked in film sound a little bit, but uh, started getting introduced to voice actors through Howard's manager because he was out here at the time and he needed help. And you help somebody out and they, you do a good job and hopefully they'll tell somebody else. And that's what happened. Wow. One guy. It really came from one guy telling somebody else about this guy, George, who helps with voiceover studios. And it just, I realized that this might be a business. And it has been a business. I've actually seen one of your um, studios. That was Joe Cipriano's. I was over at his place uh, quite a few years ago now. A, a beautiful studio you built there. Thank you. Thank you, man. That one's always, that'll always be a special one to me because it was, it was really the first one that I did ground up. He trusted me a lot to do a, such an elaborate project. Uh, the only thing I'd done prior of that complexity was the Don LaFontaine voiceover lab here in L.A. But doing something in someone's home as a residential studio is a different animal. So I really appreciated having the opportunity. And to this day, he seems pretty happy. So how did you start with that one? What was the, the main key? Because uh, he's not under a flight path from memory because he's in Bel Air. But I would imagine there's still a lot of helicopters flying over. So how did you start building that studio? 
Yeah, actually, good. I, you know, mentioning the flight path thing, he has actually sent me recordings of the studio showing off its isolation capabilities because he lives near UCLA University and there's a big hospital there. So they do get helicopter traffic, medevac, yeah. and then occasional news helicopters. So he does have noise issues to contend with and uh, it's done a good job. But in his case, he had an outbuilding, uh, a, f- a pool cabana building that was an outbuilding from the main house. So we had this kind of a clean slate to work with, but it was challenging because it went into the corner of the this funky old building that was built in two parts over the course of many years. So the studio was in a section of the building that spanned an old construction and a newer construction. So it had its engineering challenges, but it was great working with the contractor and figuring these things out. And we came up with a really great design with a floating ceiling, double walls, double everything, double glass, double doors, and a really well-silenced air conditioning system. So he uh, he has a nice view out to the world. It's a one-room studio, so everything that he needs is in there. So he works kind of like an on-air DJ miter yeah. host. And then um, the only noise-making stuff is in a machine room, which was a challenge to tie in because the machine room is on the other side of a bathroom. So we had to get clever to tie them together. But uh, the machine room is in the other room. So all the noisy stuff's out there. And it leaves one really nice, quiet booth for him to work in. There's a lot of glass, I remember. It was like a whole corner was uh, glass. It is. So does that affect the way you built that studio? Oh, yeah, definitely. I, his first concept, he had sent me a picture of some famous MTV VJ's studio name can't remember right now somewhere in malibu or something he'd seen this studio and he loved it because it had glass going from ceiling to floor in the corner and uh we decided that was a little over the top also very expensive we saved a little bit of money there and just did a pony wall up to about halfway and then the glass starts but we still did the mitered corner glass where it's you know like a fish tank yeah there's no frame at the corner and that is an engineering challenge because you can't really rest the walls and ceiling above directly on the glass and suspend, use the glass to hold up the roof. So that was quite an interesting challenge. That was a neat challenge to build. And it required us to do a lot of acoustical absorption around the rest of the room to compensate for that glass. So, you know, almost all the rest of the room that isn't glass has acoustical paneling on it on the walls and the ceiling. Yeah, it's a great setup, a fantastic setup. I also saw you build another one which was under the flight path, and that was um, an, a, a female voice actor. I can't think of her name now. But it was also another outbuilding that you started from actually pouring the slab and then going up. Yes, that was a studio for Alison Packard. And uh, it's a rare opportunity that I get to do a studio that's truly a freestanding slab-up build. Um, but that was one of those cases, you know, for voiceover, it's most people don't go that far. It's, we usually just carve out a corner in a house and build it into the home. But she had the ability to do this and uh, it came out really cool. It, it's a little 10 by 12 foot space. You can do the conversions. Yes. Um, Google that. <laughs> but uh, it's pretty small. But the thing is, we made it with a high ceiling and it has an open floor plan and it has a loft so you can climb up and there's like a little area up there where you can chill out and rest and meditate and look out the porthole windows up top and see more view. And it makes it feel much larger. And acoustically, it sounds great because with a, such a high ceiling, it's just, it sounds really good. Having low ceilings in a voiceover booth is a, is a challenge. So when you get that high vaulted ceiling properly treated, it just makes such a great sounding studio. Yeah. 
One of the things that I have an issue with here is um, is that low frequency. I don't know what the frequency is, but if Ooh. if there's a coach goes past or a truck or something where it has that really low rumble, rumble it's really hard to manage. I can hear it outside here in, where I'm sitting at the moment in the control room, but it's also bleeding into the booth on, on occasions. Oh, yeah. Ooh, which is not good. Have you ever come yeah. across that problem? And, and if so, how would you fix that? Well, yeah, you do come across that problem. In in the world of voiceover, we, we do what we can to, to reduce it, but it's very expensive to completely eliminate that with acoustical treatment and a cu- in, in construction. Very costly because everything has to be decoupled, including the actual slab that the studio is sitting on. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it, it, they will actually, in, in bigger, more elaborate studios... They'll actually do what they call cut the slab um, so that the, the concrete that the booth or the actual studio is resting upon is not coupled to the rest of the concrete surrounding the building. We go to great lengths to get rid of rumble. The thing is, it's the most expensive problem to fix with the least returns, in my opinion, because, yes. you know, with voiceover, the rumble is generally below the voice range for most people. It's not that hard to remove it using proper high-pass filtering and things like that. You know, if it's really severe, okay, we might have to tackle it in a different way. But removing it completely acoustically or with construction techniques is so costly and so complex that we often find that just proper use of EQ will remove the vast majority of of what's uh, creeping in. So that's the luxury of voiceover. There's just not a whole lot in the voice that's being recorded or needed below 50, 60 hertz. Yeah. Or do you guys say cycles over there? No, we'll stick to hertz. Stick I to don't, hertz, all right. I don't understand either, so it doesn't matter to me. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, it's it's so expensive to get rid of rumble completely. It's it's a quite a quite a task. Yeah, it was funny because I built, this is my second big studio that I built myself. The first one, I was under a flight path and uh, that thing nothing got in it was unbelievable wow so when i came down and built this one i did everything the same as i'd done before the one thing i did do for some peculiar reason was instead of putting a acoustic sealed double door i'll just um put a patio door in that's where the frequency is getting in i'm sure really funny you mention that because it ties into the allison packard project yeah that's the only weak link in the whole project i think is the patio doors because i yep. just used two sets of conventional sliding patio doors. So the glass is just a single glass layer. It's double pane, so there's an air gap in the in the window, but it's just a single layer of glass. It's not what's what we call a laminated glass. Yeah. And so um, there are companies, there's a company here in the States called Soundproof Windows, and they make sliding patio doors with this laminated glass. And uh, it is much, much better at stopping noise from getting in. So, you know, I told Allison, I was like, if, if, noise becomes so much of an issue for you that it's worth it, then we can have the window, at least one of the doors reglazed with this laminated glass and uh, it will work far better because the glass kind of rings like a gong or a bell. If you tap on the glass, it goes, you know, it kind of rings, Yeah, you know, and that's partly where the problem lies, maybe. That was one of the things, I think I've sent you a note about that because I saw that patio door and thought, how are you making that work? Because my the patio door that I put on the inside here, which is inside the building, you know, the, the room within the room, is double glazed and it's laminated glass. Right. Yeah. So you you have a you have one single patio door Correct. sealing off the room. Yeah. Right. And we did two. 
but you know, this is a room. This isn't a room in a room. This is just a building outside. Yeah, that's so right. So the level of isolation we had to build it with was pretty extreme because if you build a booth in a house, the house already has a modic, you know, a modicum of isolation to it. It's got insulation and drywall and all that stuff. Yeah. So you're just trying to get rid of what remains what still makes it in. But when you're building it from the ground up, you have all that has to be taken into account for during the construction. So you really have to go crazy. In fact, the windows they put into that place were over-specced. Um, I remember coming in after the orders, the windows were already ordered and they were sitting in the room ready to go in. And I looked at the windows and I realized when we were done, there was going to be eight separate layers of glass. Wow. <laughs> The inside to the outside, because each window module had four pieces of glass. And I was like, holy cow. Okay, guys, well, it's already been ordered, so you might as well put it in. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So the windows are incredible in that place, but the doors are are the weakest link for us. But still, we have four layers of non-laminated glass trying to stop the sounds of aircraft and gardeners and everything. It's not quite enough. We have to beef it up a little bit. Yeah, because I think the biggest killer, and you'd know better than me, but uh, from my experience is uh, that low frequency from trucks and uh, two-stroke. Leaf blowers are the bane of our existence. Leaf blowers. Yep. Have they made those illegal yet where you are? (laughs) No, we have not. In fact, I hate to admit it, but I have one. Yeah. I mean, you're seeing more of the electric ones, and they're quieter. Yeah. But they're still noisy. So what's the biggest uh, question or the most popular question you get asked? What's the best microphone for voiceover? Is that right? (laughs) Well, it's it's the stereotypical question that, you know, that is a a guy like me might might get asked. Yeah. Um, We joke about it on my own show all the time that it's the, you know, one of the most often asked questions we don't like to answer because there's too many answers yeah. <laughs> to to give a, a proper answer. But definitely that it, it, people do ask, you know, what's a good microphone to get for voiceover, how to get started. And, um, you know, of course, I always have to go back to them and say, what's your budget? You know, I'll, I'll give a big shout out to your uh, countryman that over at... Uh, Road. Road makes fantastic entry-level microphones or even pro-level microphones. The new NT1 is a fantastic microphone and it's a whole kit with the shock mount, a really good shock mount, actually, not a junky elastic one, but a a really good Rycote shock mount and a nice pop screen and a package. That's a great starter, Mike. Um, Very hard to beat that without spending considerably more money. So that one's one of my favorites for sure. Yep. And it you know depends on what's available to you. If wrote what are some of the other brands in, in Australia that are easily atta- obtainable that you find common there? Um I think well most go from professional studios that that I visit that any voice actor would go to to work. Um that would be, you know, the 416 and the U87. Sennheiser's they Neumanns, they're everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, they're everywhere. Every now and then you'll see someone with uh, maybe a blue, you know, blue bottle. Yeah. Then some studios who have gone crazy with gear will have a U forty seven, right? But yeah, that they're probably the main main microphones out there, and and the staple is the U eighty seven and the four sixteen. The issue with the the U eighty seven in Australia is that our accent is quite nasally, hmm. and so you've got that mid range. A little bit nasally, Mike. A little it, bit, yeah. Accentuates that upper Hon- mid range. That sort of honk, yeah. Yes. So uh, so. Not a perfect fit, but it's just because it just if everyone's got the same thing, you know what it's like. Everyone's got the same microphone. It's easy easy to match. That that's what it's all about, really. That is true. And that you know, when people ask me that question, I ask them, you know, are you you know, especially when they're asking about the next mic or their upgrade mic or whatever, 
And you know, I ask them, are you recording in studios a lot or are you only working at home? And if they are out in the working in studios in LA, especially, chances are they're going to be on a 416 at yep. some point or maybe a lot. And I say, well, that's just a no brainer. You just should have one because there's, it's going to be a sort of an argument ending microphone. You know, you'd never have to be concerned that they may go, huh? What is yeah. that, Mike? Uh, if you say, I'm on a Sennheiser 416, they're like, gotcha. Yeah. You know, done. So that can be helpful just to have a standard, quote unquote, mic. From the Neumann line, one of the far less lesser known mics, for whatever reason, is the TLM 193. And oh. uh, I think it's really, really nice. It's just not used that often because it's a lot, it's more expensive than the 103 which is also very popular, but it's it kind of fits in between the 103 and the U87 in terms of price. But um, it's a much smoother, flatter microphone. It doesn't have that nasally upper mid-range boost, so it's a little it's a little warmer and flatter. I just don't see it that often, but uh, you know, if you have the budget for it, that one's really really nice. Is that a single pattern microphone? Yeah, it's a single pattern. It's just a cardio. Yeah, which is all we need anyway. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. I, I did have a voice actor yes the other day that she had gotten a ribbon microphone. And, um, but that's really unusual for a voiceover studio to have a ribbon mic. But, you know, for her, we managed to find a way to place it in her studio, but if you still have to use proper acoustics and mic technique. It's just, those mics are figure eight. So they pick up both sides of the mic yeah. equally well. So you have to have the back of the mic really well treated to get rid of the, the, what it's picking up. But the nice thing is the sides of the microphone are extremely dead. Yeah. So they have a really strong null or dead spot on each side. So if you have glass or anything you don't want the mic to hear, you just put that to the side of the mic, it won't hear it. So that's a cool thing about those mics. They're just very unusual. Yeah, most unusual. And they have a different sort of tone about them. They're quite bottom-endy, I would have thought. Right, they are. And and so that's why they can be really nice and flattering on, on a woman's voice. If they tend to sound very um, sibilant and very bright on like a Neumann 103, which she did, uh, a ribbon mic is very smooth and very flat at the top end. So it, it doesn't over-exaggerate or exaggerate those frequencies. Would I want it in a small booth on a man? Probably not. It would sound so boomy and muddy. Um, it yeah. may not work too well, but for her, it turned out to work really well. I was skeptical at first, but once we got it right, um, it sounded real nice. My first proper setup was um, a Microtech Gefell M930 and a Grace M101. Nice. It's a fantastic microphone. It's real clean, real accurate, and it's really small too, so it's, it's yeah. easy to work with. Yeah, I love it. It's one of my favorite go-tos, I've got to say. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm, I'm partial to Grace, too. Uh, I've actually become friends with Michael and Eben, the Grace brothers, over the years. In fact, I went mountain biking, just to drop names, I went mountain biking with Eben Grace in Colorado two weeks ago. <laughs> oh, cool. <laughs> um, but uh, they're great guys. Their products are really top, top, top notch without going crazy on price. They don't go berserk on the prices the prices are reasonable i think um, i think that yeah for, for what, what for what you get yeah exactly yeah. so what have they got planned what have grace got up their sleeve have they any little secrets you can drop out well actually i'm going to put out a video soon um that i, I did a video tour of the of their whole factory it's which is in a, in a town called lyons colorado which is just outside of boulder which is just outside of denver mork and mindy territory right yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. and um uh, I just took, I did a tour of the factory, and uh, I also did a sit-down interview with Eben. Um, so I have two videos I'm going to release soon on uh, on my uh, YouTube channel, which 
Believe it or not, I haven't even made yet. The channel hasn't even been made because I just went out on my own with a new brand as George the Tech and had yeah, to yeah. build the new channel. But once I have the channel built, uh, those videos will go up there. But to answer your question directly, they are releasing a new product, but it was in such early days, they really wouldn't tell me a lot about it. They, they actually showed me a circuit design on a computer screen of one of the circuit boards, uh, which, you know, told me zero. You know, I couldn't tell anything yeah, yeah, yeah. from that. But it sounds like it's well under its way, underway of being uh, tested and built. Maybe it'll be released uh, in uh, in January, possibly. I'm not sure what the release date, but they usually shoot for a January release for their stuff because of the NAM show, the big music trade show here in L.A. Um, so I would wait till, till then. Maybe they'll get it done sooner at AES, which is in a month, but I doubt it. Probably next year. But they say it's going to be a... One of those game-changing products and one of their Halo products for their company. So, whatever that means. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll do you see. see much of? Do you see many of their products around? Many of their preamps in home studios. Yeah, the M101 is really popular because, again, it's simple and its price point is really good. That's a very, very common one. Um, I'm a big fan of their channel strip. It's called the M103, and it has compression and equalizing on it. So for those that are used to using something which has been a very popular product here in the U.S. called the Avalon 737, which is a tube preamp. Yeah, um, very popular here too. Oh, it is, yeah. I, main, I maintain studios, right? I, I deal with and fix hundreds of home studios, like either in person or by phone or whatever. And I'm just a big fan of removing anything from the studio that's going to have a failure issue. And tubes are a guaranteed failure issue. They will fail. They, they're not solid state. They are a mechanical device that will eventually fail. And so I'm yep. just not a big fan of that in a voiceover studio where it has to be consistent and work beautifully day after day and never have to futz with it. So I've yep. been replacing these uh, 737s with these Grace M103s. I've done it in numerous studios for some really top promo uh, voice actors here. And um, not a single time did their clients or anybody else say, hey, uh, what did you do? What, what happened to your sound? And it, it matches the Avalon feature for feature. So if they're using some compression, I can dial that in. If there's a little EQ, I can dial that in. So it's a very easy replacement. And um, never have to replace a tube ever again. Just clean and reliable. You would hate my place then. <laughs> <laughs> Are you a tubeaholic? Yeah. Well, the thing I'm using right now is uh, another Melbourne product, uh, which is the Sebatron. There's a LA610 tube. Yeah. Uh, but then I do have the Grace M101 with an M102 on the side if I need compression. Right. Mm -hmm. And then uh, a 1073 and a 2254. If... You like color. That's what you're saying. I... You like color. It, it is saying that, isn't it? Yeah. What color am I going for, do you think? Distortion. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that's what a tube does, is it, it distorts. But it distorts yeah. in a very pleasing way that sounds nice. It, some people call it, it fattens it up a little bit. And that's because yeah. it, when it goes into its clipping, it goes into what's called an, an even harmonic clip. And with even order harmonics, that little bit of distortion it creates, actually, you don't really hear it as distortion. You hear it as filling in the sound and creating this thicker texture. That's yeah. the theory behind tubes. In practice, um, I find it's really hard for a voice actor to set the gain to get the, just the right amount of that sound out of the preamp all the time. Because if you're engineering yourself, it's very hard to do that and get it right yeah, all the time. Yeah, that's true. So, that's yeah. why most of my clients are not engineers at all. They are strictly voice actors. And um, 
dare I say it, they want it to be set it and forget it to the degree that that's possible. So yeah. I will, you know, if anything, we'll have maybe two or maybe three gain settings, or maybe we'll use a pad switch from time to time. But, you know, we, we are very light on, on the, the bells and whistles because these are voice actors and I want their studios to be reliable. Um, so that's why I do a minimal amount of that. But boy, I'll tell you, it can be fun to get into that world. Um, <laughs> yes. the, the audio, the world of audio and gear. We call them, you know, you've probably been on the blog Gear Sluts maybe once or twice. Oh, yes, indeed. <laughs> yes. I just love the way it built into this huge fight. Because yes. it normally starts off with an innocent question, and then yeah. off it goes. And if you keep, if you if you follow the thread long enough, someone is going to have a crack at somebody, and it's on. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I try to. I really don't go on there often. I just go on there if I have to get an answer, find an answer to a question. You know, because somebody is almost guaranteed has already asked it, and yeah. if they haven't asked it, I, I'll ask it. You know, I'll say hey, this and that. And, it's, it is a good place to find answers to questions that I wouldn't know well, where else to find the answer. Um, yeah, yeah. But otherwise, yeah, I try to stay out of there as much as I can. It could be a, 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 can be a, a yeah. rat hole, as we call it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Pretty quick. Because you used to be uh, with Edge Studios, based out of New York, and now it's George the Tech. So what, what was the uh, instigator of, of you um, setting up your own thing? Well, it was, it was, it was just time. I mean, uh, we had four years going together, and um, it was time for me to be on my own again. The company just couldn't, they just couldn't figure out a way to integrate it well into what they do. And um, I just think it was one of those things that just was dragging them down a little bit. I was just too different from their model, which is we sell coaching and we produce recordings. And I guess maybe I was just too much of a rogue. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But it was it was time for me to go. And um, I was on my own before Edge, and now I am again. And I've come up with a new brand name, and people found me. And thanks to people like you um, bringing me on your show and letting people know where to find me now, you know, I haven't had a hard time finding clients. It's really worked out really well. And it, you have to appreciate what you've got. To you have to lose it to, to appreciate it, right? Close. So I was yeah. self-employed. Then I was employed four years, which I really appreciated to have that, having the salary and just, it took a lot of pressure and stress off of me. So I was very grateful to have it. Um, and being part of the team was, it was cool. It was novel for me. But um, now that I'm on my own again, I'm really, really happy. I'm very happy to be, have complete control over how I run my business again. And um, it's gotten off to a really great start, I have to say. I've been very lucky. It's interesting, as I mentioned before we got onto this, that there is nothing really like you in Australia, which I find, I can understand wow. why to a point, because the home studio thing um, is relatively new. Sure. I think the most well-known uh, Australian talent I've worked with is a fellow named Nick Tate. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, Nick. He's great. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I worked with him stateside because he, uh, he's an actor and he comes to L.A. Yeah. often. Um, oh, he lives there now. He's, I caught up with him uh, last time I was there in February. Oh, is that right? Okay. And, yeah, uh, he's moved here full time then. Yeah, he's back down at his house in the Palisades. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's cool. Well, you know, it's, yeah, he's, he's, my, he's my, my famous Australian guy client. Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I've worked with a handful of people in Australia for sure. I mean, of course, speaking English helps a lot. Um, yep. And the time zones, even though we're really far apart, aren't that bad because my evening is your morning or something like that. Or yep. 
so we're we're not that far apart. So working together via remote tools like Skype and Hangouts and Source Connect Now, which we're using now, all these remote tools. Um, I also use something called Team Viewer for remote yeah. computer access. I, I've just learned how to make use of all these tools in a way that is just so effective. I it's it's nice to be physically in someone's studio, but this is as close as you can get without me being there physically. It's pretty effective. In in you know thirty minutes to an hour, I can make a lot of changes. Some big, some small that uh, can really make the studio sound great. Which is really handy. And the other thing is that uh, I've mentioned many times before is, the, is when you're about to do a session and something goes horribly wrong, that is the nightmare of... Um, it, it's like the old thing of being, at, you know, when I was on radio, that the reoccurring nightmare that everybody from my era has. And we, we all have the same one. The record is running out. There is no other record. <laughs> And no, and there's nowhere to go. Dead and air is sort of looming. There. Yeah, <laughs> that's the one that wakes you up in a cold sweat, which is kind of like this one where you're sitting there, you're about to have a session, and everything goes boom, <sighs> and you don't know what to do. Yes, that is scary stuff for a voice actor because yeah, because I'll tell you, it's it's a scary world for voice acting because there's very few contracts, especially in the world of promo and. It's like, if you just can't make that gig that day, they have to get it done. Yeah. So they're going to call the next guy on the agent's roster that sounds a heck of a lot like you. Yep. You can just lose the job in a, in a heartbeat. Yeah. It can be really scary. I've, I've talked to clients who've given me those stories. It's, uh, that's my job. I, I, I try desperately to make sure that never will happen to them. Yeah. And, and if I can't help them immediately, then I'll make sure they know where to get the help they need. I also try to get them to the point where they have some self-sufficiency. Yeah. It's just, it's not good when someone becomes completely dependent on a guy like me for everything. That's not good. You want to have some level of ability to troubleshoot and know what to do and know what your options are if something doesn't work. If this doesn't work, then I can do that. Yeah. And that's to me very, very important for a very important skill for a voice actor to have. You don't have to have to understand everything about the gear and what impedance means and all this other stuff, but you do have to know that, well, if this doesn't work, then I have this option and I can do that. And that I can get working and you know, I'll be okay. Yeah. It's like the old saying, you can give someone a fish or you can teach them to fish. Exactly. Yeah. Give a man a fish, you feed him for a day, teach him to fish, you feed him for a lifetime. I, I'm a big, big, big believer in that. Yeah, yeah. Big believer in that. Even though I make a living fixing stuff or teaching people to fix stuff, you know, I, I still believe that the end result is for someone to be pretty well independent. And things just sort of take care of themselves. And the next time I might hear from them is when they're ready to build a new studio or make a major gear upgrade and not because they have a buzz in their mic or they can't hear themselves in their headphones or something like that. What's the biggest uh, issue you come across? What's the main one where you get a call? It's like, oh my God, the whatever is not working. Yeah. It usually is related to um, a computer issue specifically something wrong with the Mac OS or Windows, whether it was an upgrade they weren't expecting or they did an upgrade and they shouldn't have and they thought, oh, it's going to be fine and it breaks a driver or breaks Pro Tools or who knows what. Those are very, very common. And then just, you know, when people are using vintage gear in a studio, there's more to go wrong. <laughs> Speaking of Neumann's, a client of mine loves using a U67. Oh, wow. And it's a fantastic mic. But they're vintage, you know, they're, they, they just aren't made anymore. They haven't been made in 30-something years. So he, he has two of them, and we rotate them in and out of the shop. Like, it seems like every three months, you know, that kind of stuff. 
And I can't tell him otherwise to to get rid of it. You know, it's his sound. I sometimes I joke it's like a mic like that is like a Samson's hair yes. for a voice actor. Yeah, if you remember the yeah, yeah. fable of Samson's hair, but it's like once you once that's part of your sound, you just can't let it go. And he's very sensitive to the way he sounds on that mic. So we did find a modern equivalent called a Peluso. Yeah, yeah, P sixty seven, and it's really fantastic. Yeah, he's actually using it most of the time now. And for a fraction of what the used ones cost. And of course, being modern, it's much more reliable. But it's it's things like that. And then um, it's computer issues. It's I can't hear myself. But mainly the, the majority of the problems are related to acoustics, really. Those are the problems that people don't often know that they already have. Yeah. You know, people will call because they have one problem. And then when I talk to them, I say, well, yes, you may have that problem. But your real problem is your acoustics are really bad. You know, and so they'll say, well, can you make me a processing setting that's going to fix my problem? And I'll go, no, we got to fix the acoustics. You know, that's got to be sorted out first before we try to band-aid it with an EQ or something. Yeah. Really acoustics, noise, and then computer problems plaguing people's ability to record are, are the big things, really. Or in my case, being uh, slightly deaf because, uh, <laughs> as was proven with uh, Robert Marshall a couple of weeks ago when we did that um Brady Bunch kind of um, webinar. Yeah. Because <clears throat> he had told me before Robert had said, you, you, it's your cans. It's like, no, it's not my cans. And I was adamant <laughs> it was not my cans. And then you were on there going, it's your cans. I'm like, no, it's not my cans. <laughs> so in the end, I thought, right, okay, this is it. So I went and bought some extreme isolation headphones. And uh, am I getting slapped back now? Very minimal. Oh, so. I just hear the very tiniest, tiniest hint of a slapback. Yeah. I mean, it's it's almost complete. What kind of headphones did you get? Uh, extreme isolation. Are they the ones that have that almost look like a uh, silencing for gun firing range? Yeah, yeah. They look. Thing? They look like. I tell you what, they remind me of is the old BBC headphones that used to be yeah. everywhere. Like a, you know, a EMI in London used to have them. You always see photographs of the Beatles with those. Big, Were they white? They're black, but you can get white oh, they're ones. Black, yeah. yeah, there are white yeah. ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I think I know what you're talking about. I think, I believe my uh, friend Dan Leonard over at VOBS, I believe he has a pair of those and he likes them. He does have a pair. So. I saw a video with him talking about them, funnily enough. Yeah. I find them a bit tight, um, but they certainly, that's why they work. They work because they're very tight and they seal off the outside world really well. Yeah. So I use a Biodynamic DT770s, which I'm wearing right now. They have a velour ear pad. They're not going to seal quite as well as those, but they are a totally sealed can and they, they, they do a pretty nice job. So a question for you. What is your, back to microphones again, what is your favorite microphone if you have one? Why not the one I'm using right now? I'll tell you what it is too. You're, you're going to laugh. Okay, I'm ready. I'm using this mic because I've just had it forever and it's just everybody compliments me the way I sound on it. It's a MXL okay. 1006. I believe I paid hundred dollars for it. I think something like that, but I can't remember because I bought two of them and I think like 1998. And I still have these two mics because they've never stopped working. They've never had a reliability issue. They've taken punishment because they've been in like a road case where I keep sure SM57s and I used to do live sound. So they'd get bashed around on lot, you know, doing live sound gigs and they just keep kicking. And it, I think the mic sounds pretty darn nice. So I'll tell you, I, I, one of my clients went and found one and sent me an audio sample of his voice. He's like, well, if you sound good, maybe I'll sound good. And he sent me a sample on it and I hearing it out of context, you know, because I'm hearing my own voice through it. So yeah. it's weird hearing your own voice through a mic. It really changes the way the mic's, you think the mic sounds. But I heard somebody else's through it and I go, wow, you're right. It, 
I mean, I am right. <laughs> this mic does sound good. Yeah. So at uh, the budget end, I'd have to say that one's great, even though they don't make it anymore. You can probably find them. I think the Harlan Hogan V01A from the MXL company is basically a modernized version of this mic. Yeah. Um, it sounds very similar and sounds really, really great. At the higher end of the price range, I've been recommending the AKG C220 a lot. It's the it's the it's the half of a two forty. No, a four four forty. Wait, did I say the wrong? Am I getting my name naming mixed is it, up? Is yes, it a, no, I am. Is I'm the sorry, two, I got it totally wrong. Two fourteen. Yeah, two fourteen and four fourteen. I just realized I told yeah. a client today the wrong model number. I have to email her back. <laughs> oh man. See. Um, no, the C two fourteen, um, which is like half of a four fourteen because it's a single capsule. Yeah. Or a fixed pattern. Man, that mic just keeps surprising me how good it sounds. It's really clean and. It doesn't have a lot of other color coloration and sibilance, and that one's fantastic. There's a U.S. mic called the CAD E100S. You, you, did you think you were going to get one mic out of me? There's no way. There's no way. There's the CAD E100S made in the U.S. that, if you get a good one, is a, just an amazing microphone. Super quiet and clean and just a really nice sound. Very flattering. Super cardioid, so it's not. it's more forgiving in a, in a less-than-ideal room. That one's fantastic too. Um, yeah. Gosh. <laughs> have you tried the uh, out of interest? Have you tried the uh, WA the Warm Audio eighty seven the WA eighty seven? I haven't personally demoed the mic. Um, I've heard it being used in shootouts with yep. other mics, and um, as what I would have thought, it sounds kind of like a less, slightly less hyped, you know, modern eighty seven. Yeah. So not quite as bright or nasal. Maybe a little less nasal, perhaps. Yep. Maybe. Um, that's what I've heard, but I haven't had one in my hands to, to demo, uh, yet. So, but you know, don't expect it to sound like an exactly like a new Neumann cause it's not supposed to. Yeah. Yeah. It's supposed to sound like an, an old 87. That's my understanding anyway. That's what they say. Yeah. We did a show with, um, with Antonio from warm audio and he was using the, uh, WA 87. We did that a few weeks ago. It sounded, yeah. it sounded pretty good to me. It sounded, you know, mm-hmm. as you would expect it to sound. Um, mm-hmm. There was nothing really nasty in there. I couldn't. I couldn't hear anything. Right. Well, I'll tell you. Every trade show I go to, there's a new mic company. I mean, yep. every show there's a new company. I'm like, where do these guys come from? Uh, it, and it amazes me that there's always a market for another new microphone. How many different ways can we re-release a U87? Yeah. Um, or revamp it, but uh, doesn't stop them, and people keep buying them. Yeah. So um, there's always room for another one, and there's so many of those coming out, but. The U67, that was that is a mic that is very hard to knock off. The P67 is the closest I've ever heard. And it, 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 that U67 is a really, it's just a really sweet sounding microphone. And I yeah. just got done telling you I don't like tubes, but dang it. Yeah. There's something about that mic, the way they designed it. And with that tube and whatever the circuit is, it's just, it really sounds incredible. Th- then we can get into the world of emulation. Yeah. Slade is doing a, a mic emulator now where it's all plugins, but they can emulate many different microphones. And, you know, once you get past their incredibly good PR campaign, because the guy that Steve Slade is really good at selling product, the world out there is saying it's the real deal. Sounds incredibly good. Yeah. Um, so if you want to emulate more than one microphone, you only have the budget for one. Those are pretty cool. And there's another company that makes one called the Sphere that has two capsules where you can blend the two capsules independent of each other. It actually is a stereo mic. You know, it has an XLR stereo output. And then in software, it blends the two capsules back together and gives you complete control over polar pattern, impedance, frequency response, everything you can imagine. 
you can dial every single setting in. Wow. And um, that, I think it's called a Sphere P22 by, you'll find it. If you Google Sphere yeah. microphone, you'll, you should find it. The brand name is slipping my mind right now. I also saw you at NAMM with uh, Microtech Gefell with their dynamic mic. Yeah, that's another one of my very long list of, I want to get one of those to try out mics. Uh, yeah, yes. <laughs> I was shocked how good that microphone sounded. And that was on a trade show floor. But just talking into the mic, just as is into the cans, I was like, wow, this is a nice sounding dynamic mic. Yeah. It doesn't sound anything like an RE20 or even an SM7. It just sounded more open. It sounded more condenser-like. It was really uh, darn impressive. Maybe $500 range mic. It wasn't crazy expensive. Which is unusual because uh, that is one of the things about Microtech. They're not the cheapest microphones in the world. No. but no. Um, They even had a weird little mic that you can plug into an iPhone. Yeah, I saw and that. That was something I was yeah. never expecting to see from a company like them, but it just shows you how everybody's wanting to innovate, get into the market of the portable recording or you know mobile phone recording. Yeah, it's a changing landscape, as we know. Yeah, we could, we could do a part two about what's your favorite audio interface. And that could be another 45-minute long uh, show. We should do it. <laughs> do you want to? I'm, I'm happy to do it for sure. <laughs> oh, man, I could go on. I could yeah. go on. But um, it really comes down, the hierarchy of importance is really acoustics. Absolutely number one. Yep. Got to get the acoustics right. Then it's mic placement. Because if you have the best mic in the world and you put it in the wrong place, it's going to sound terrible. So yeah. mic placement has to be number two. Then microphone, of course, the mic choice. And then, you know, from there on, everything else, in my opinion, are far less important to the end result. You know, th those things are the top three and everything else fails in comparison. I mean, of course, preamp is important and all that, but you can swap out preamps all day and people may not hear the difference. But if you move the mic three inches the wrong way, oh, you'll hear the difference. Yeah, yeah. That to me are the really important aspects of getting that studio to sound great. And that's always the issue with being someone like, voice person like myself working from home and who's not an audio engineer. It's no. all, it's, it's difficult. Like, I don't know what, you know, I don't know all this stuff. I, I just learn bits and pieces as I go along. But I'm sure I've learned some really bad habits, which Possibly. if you, walk, if you yeah. walk through the door, you probably go, what the, what are you doing? You know, that is ridiculous. <laughs> That's never going to work. Well, I mean, I know you said about your hearing being, you know, not what it used to be. But, you know, one of my slogans is if it sounds good, it is good. Yeah. So, you know, if your clients are liking what you're doing. Um, and you're getting hired and, you know, your colleagues say, hey, it sounds great. You know, the only reason to upgrade at that point is just because you have gear-itis or gas. Yes. Gear acquisition syndrome at that point, <laughs> you know, so. <laughs> <laughs> what a note to finish on. But before we do go, we should get your details. So if anyone wants to get in contact with you, it is georgethetech.com. Is that correct? It is. Or as I uh, like to say, for the geeks out there, I'm also georgethetech.com. So uh -huh. if you like short domains, I have George the tech, and yeah, that's kind of my world on the voiceover world. You can you can see the different uh, services I offer. It's pretty much voiceover centric, but um, occasionally I'll have somebody who's a podcaster, somebody else like that, you know, consult with me about dialing in their studios. And you can book time either real time, like a consult on the phone or Skype, or you can send audio and I'll send back my settings for you. I call that stacks and racks presets. Yep. And um, for any, just about any DAW or recording software out there, you know, I can do studio design. You can hire me in any different way. You can work with me by email, whatever way works for you. Um, I try to make myself available to, to anybody. And 
um, as little as 15 minutes. You can start with just a 15 minute call if you're if you're really tight on a budget, and we'll we'll plow through as much as we can, um, get a few things sorted out. That might be all it takes. Or you can even just send an audio file. I just call it a sound check, and just uh, send an audio file for uh, 25 US. Uh, I'll listen to the audio and give you my you know my thoughts about what you're putting down. Where's the issues? Is it the mic? Is it your placement? Is it your acoustics? Is it something else? Um, I'll give you my full analysis to figure out what's the next step. So that's where you'll find me. And, uh, oh, promotion. Yes. I have a coupon. Ooh, we love <laughs> um, that. I, re- I decided to do a coupon for the Libras because I'm a Libra myself. Uh, my birth my birthday is in October. And you don't have to be a Libra. I was going to say, how would I prove, how would I make people prove what their birthday is? Take a picture of their license? That's ridiculous. <laughs> no, and it's good for anybody. You can use the code Libra2017, uh, L-I-B-R-A-2017, when you sign up for a consulting call. Um, it's only good for the calls, the consulting calls. Um, and you'll, you'll get 30% off. For the for the until October twenty second. So wow, that's um, that's good. So uh, that's something you guys can you check out if this is uh, and if you missed that code, well, sorry, maybe I'll do another one in the fall for Black Friday. So stay yeah. tuned. But um, <laughs> we'll we'll put the uh, we'll put the code in the notes. Awesome, thank you so much. Perfect. Well, George, it's been a pleasure. I've got to know you well on the internet, so it doesn't feel like I'm talking to someone I don't know, which is kind of weird. Yeah, but, it's really uh, <laughs> neat. It's been, it's been a lot of fun. I'm glad we got to do this together. And uh, yes, if you ever want me to bore you with a part two, you know, just let me know. Don't, um, you know, not too quickly. Give everybody some time to recover. And then we could do, do that absolutely. in another couple of months. <laughs> Lo- love to. That'd be fantastic. I'd be happy to. Lovely. Thanks, George. Thank you. Thanks a lot. That was George the Tech. And uh, don't forget to take advantage of that special offer. The code you need when you contact George the Tech is Libra2017. Libra2017, 30% discount. We'll catch you next week with Matt Cowery. The VO Radio Show is produced in the studios of Voodoo Sound. To polish your next audio production, check us out at voodoo-sound.com. Find professional voices simply all in one place. Realtimecasting.com, including me.